Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, recording this on Monday, May 23rd. I am actually in the middle of reading, well, not reading right now, reading Paul Strela's Monday Morning Insider at TigerIllustrated.com. Always great intel and info on Clemson recruiting you can only get from Paul. Also got a story coming about Trenton Simpson and what he went through back in December with the very jolting news of Brent Venable's departure for Oklahoma. That and plenty more good stuff coming through the week at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Arch and Hall, call 864-990-4581 or online at parmlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Okay, to our conversation with Bobby Couch, the executive director of Tiger Impact. After, what, 17 years working for Clemson and Ipte, Bobby decided to leave to help with this new venture. A lot to wrap your arms around with all the NIL stuff. Bobby, really informative on that front. And we're going to start with some great stories of the old NTBA days playing basketball on campus at Clemson. Here we go. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Bobby Couch, a good friend of mine from a long way back. I mean, the real reason, Bobby, we're, that I that I called you on here is to talk about the history of the NTBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, if if, uh, if your audience could could see the kind of basketball at times we were playing out there, they, <laughs> you, you you may lose half your audience. So, uh, but uh, yeah, what a what a what a fun stretch we had playing. Back in the day, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I do want to talk about that some, if that's okay with you, because I think yeah, people absolutely. are um, yeah. people. Yeah. People are, of course, interested in something like that when it involves, yeah. you know, it's a behind the scenes uh, uh, opportunity for very high profile people, myself yeah. not included, meaning coaches and such, <laughs> to 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 play basketball and blow off some steam. And so, I guess I'll start by my introduction came when. Um, a guy by the name of Chad Lampman um, yeah. worked in the he worked yeah. in video and all that I believe was the commissioner yep. of the yep. NTBA uh, and then he left for Duke at some point and then you took over as the commissioner and by commissioner it was the all important very important duty of uh, organizing the games and sending out emails every day 
saying who's in and if there are enough people who are in to play, uh, you know, five on five or sometimes fewer, then it's game on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so when, can you uh, maybe just give your sort of perspective on when, when you became included in it and, and how far back it, it went for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, you have a lot of uh, folks out, probably in your audience that are, are part of these kind of noontime groups to get together, whether they're playing co-ed volleyball or, or basketball, whatever the case may be. So wherever I've been, whether I, I started out at the, at the Greenville Hospital System in fundraising about 25 years ago, and and um, I had a group I played with locally at lunchtime, and I went to Virginia Tech, and then uh, came back down here, and then uh, immediately, as soon as I got to Clemson, I was like, all right, I know they got a noontime group playing. So that was the same as you, I uh, got connected with Chad, uh, he was the commissioner, uh, gave him my email address, and it was very simple. As you said, he just sent an email out at 9 o'clock in the morning or so, and just he would simply say, who's in? And uh, as soon as you hit that magic number, it was game on, exclamation point. <laughs> and, uh, and so when Chad left, uh, he handed the reins over to me. And, uh, and, and that continued for several years. And, and Larry, as you know, what was so wonderful about that is you have an opportunity to play with, uh, you know, we played with coach Sweeney for years. Um, uh, Brad Brownell got out there occasionally. We got to know a lot of our, our coaching staffs and, and uh, just our athletic department staff. But what was so unique about it is we also had at times uh, just people in the community, uh, people in the media, and uh, we, we all became really close, and it was just a great way to build camaraderie. And that's uh, – you and I have talked about this. Some of my greatest days uh, at Clemson were those two or three afternoons, uh, you know, playing noontime ball. And it got to the point, as you know, Coach Sweeney got into it so uh, much – he made jerseys in TBA. <laughs> There's probably some copyright infringement because we had a, I, I don't know if he took a picture of himself or what was on the front of our jersey, but it looked like the NBA logo. They, uh, uh, and, Jerry, West, Jerry West, uh, Jerry yeah. West is, is in the process of talking about Sue and HBO for their depiction. He might be Sue and Dabo too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that may be your next big story. So, uh, but, uh, as you know, we, uh, he bring those jerseys out and, and I think think they were purple and white if I remember and uh so anyway it was uh, a lot of fun and, and those were some of the some of the best days I remember at Clemson and uh, I, I and I I'm thinking of you mentioned you mentioned Dabo being there you mentioned Brownell yeah I'm just yeah. thinking of even to the days predating my time of, of starting I, I think I started maybe in like 09 but um well, I guess Napier was still here. I just think yeah. about think about the guys who who went on to become head coaches: Earl Grant, um, yeah. Billy Napier, Mike Morrell um, yes. became yeah. a head coach. Uh, yeah. Shaka Smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shaka was yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm probably had, missing um, some. Uh, you had uh, well, I mean, some that are um, uh, a, a Toro Umo or yep. Coleman. Now mm-hmm. you know she's a a coach up. I think she's at Penn state maybe still, but 
Um, you know, we had, uh, you're right, just a, a vast array of coaches, assistant coaches uh, that, that played with us. And I remember Brandon Streeter was a graduate assistant yep. and, uh, and played with us and then left and went to Richmond. And then, you know, now he's back. And, and so it, it was great to see, uh, you know, Brent Venables about about broke my nose before the Georgia game. Um, I, you know, I ended up with a black eye. I was at hosting a tailgate before the Georgia game down in Athens. I'm standing up in front of the group talking, and I got a black eye. And everybody's like, did you get in a fight? I was like, no, I know Coach Venables is ready for this game. He's about broke my nose. But, uh, but yeah, he was, uh, he was quiet, as you know. Uh, he's, he's a competitor on the basketball court as well. Uh, but, uh, it was, it's so much fun. It really was. So I distinct, I want to, I want to get more insight into this black eye, but I I distinctly remember, (laughs) I distinctly remember Venables. Um, we were playing over at Jervy. Uh, I guess this was when the new, uh, practice facility at little John was being, uh, built, but Venables, um, (laughs) Venables, um, uh, he 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 pushed the envelope a bit with the rules and and and, and pushing you in the back and elbows and and he uh, and like you said, like it wasn't a friendly game. There's no such thing uh, as that with him. I don't believe uh, he's just he's the exact same way in a pickup basketball game as he is on the field. A super nice guy when he's away from competition. Oh, oh absolutely. But, he just has one speed. Yeah. Wide yeah. open. But uh, he uh, he got into it with Jordan Sorrells, who is now who's now the uh, who's now the director of, of recruiting, really prominent role over there in the in, or really important role, I guess you could say, at the football uh, program. Um, Absolutely. But uh, he he uh, Sor- nobody ever called a foul on Venables, I think, because everybody was scared of him. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was saying that every game, you know, he would always lose his – he had one of those tracker watches. <laughs> and, you know, every game he played, it would end up in the middle of the lane. We'd have to stop playing. And it's like – because he's grabbing you. He's like running into – if you if you tried to come across the lane, he was checking you oh, yeah. like a linebacker. It's like I, I, I stayed out on the perimeter. And that's what I did. I mean, that's what happened. So I was out on the perimeter. I'm like, I'm not going to try to – take bb down because he's gonna like just crush me and so i'm standing out there you know taking a little jumper and he runs out full speed with his hand up and hits me right in the nose and uh anyway but you know of course he was immediately oh i'm sorry by me he's such a nice guy and he is just a superhuman being but he uh he really would get after it on the basketball court did you call a foul I did not call a foul. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's a good segue into the Jordan Sorrells Venables confrontation because Sorrells had, had, he's a really good shooter and and I guess Venables was on him and Sorrells, Sorrells shoots, takes one shot and, and clearly Venables got his hand. Sorrells didn't call it. And it might've been a second time he didn't call it. And then finally, <laughs> finally, Soros takes another shot and, and Venables, you know, slaps his elbow or something. And so I was like, all right, that's a foul. And Brent explodes and says, no, it wasn't. You're, you're a liar. All you ever do is lie. <laughs> and I think he left. Oh, no. Like the two minutes later, Venables rolled his ankle. 
Yes. And and, yes, and stormed yeah. out of there. He was so yes. upset. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> my, I mean, it's just getting a window into his, you know, the, the mind or the actions or the uh, just the the general sort of mindset of a of a one of the you know, world's yeah. most cutthroat competitors. You know, is is, is, is it, it was fascinating. Yeah, and, and it, what what I found so fascinating too is is you remember the uh, uh, the classic uh, DeAndre McDaniel uh, Rashard Hall. Oh my god! Lockdown. I mean, two two of the most incredible athletes, and at times they would just. I mean, it was like they were playing football, not basketball. I mean, just getting after it and just being so competitive. And uh, like you said, I mean, there were times it was, it, it just got really uh, just physical and everything. But at the end of the game, it was kind of like, all right, we'll see you back over. Uh, we got a meeting at two o'clock. Uh, we'll see. And it was just like, I mean, everything was just left on the court, you know, and then everybody just went back uh, to their corners, back to work and, um, you know, and then just over the years, just running into people, um, talking to people. I remember Earl Grant, I, I've, I've connected with him a couple of times since then. And, you know, every time I send him a text congratulating me, he immediately responds. And, and it's just all because of that time we spent, you know, out on the court at lunchtime playing and, and really getting to know each other, you know, so – now we we've sat here breaking down Venable's uh, game, um, or I guess his competitive nature. How would you describe Dabo's game and competitive <laughs> nature? I think he's so popular, of course, that people have heard about his. Uh, he's actually been sort of ridiculed publicly for his desire to chuck it uh, and, and not pass it. So and, and and not play much defense. I think he's even acknowledged this. But uh, how would you describe his game and his competitiveness? Well, he's, as you know, you've been out there to see it. He's super competitive, but he is one of these that always has a smile on his face. He does it in the, the most likable fashion, but he is super competitive. And he, what I think what he took the most glory in was when they would, he always wanted to be in the day as the dynasty. And so it was like <laughs> he went five games in a row you were the dynasty and he just took so much pride in that and just, you know, winning and, and no matter what. And he was uh, just one of the most competitive individuals uh, to your point. It, it gets in his hands. It's going up. You might as well go hit the glass because he is going to uh, put, put it up. Now he's ambidextrous, which a lot of people don't know. Yeah. And and that was one of the difficulties in guarding him is because he could shoot dribble, he could take you off the dribble with either hand, and and uh, he he was a tough guard. And uh, and the thing about when you're guarding him, as as things went along, it was kind of like this is the head, you know, this is the head football coach. Yeah. You know, the last thing I want to do is like take you know take his legs out from under him or anything. <laughs> but the thing about it is he would get you would start to get into it because he's so competitive. I mean, he and I, especially early on, because we came in about the same time. He was probably about a year before me. And uh, that's where he and I met when he was wide receivers coach. And, you know, we had some great, uh, you know, one-on-one battles. And that, I mean, that's what he would do. If we hadn't, we didn't have enough people to show up. It was one-on-one or two-on-two. He was not going to just show up and not do something competitively. So it's absolutely in his nature. Could you call a foul on him? 
That that was that you know that that was another tough one uh, that, that you uh, you would kind of look at him and I and I'd be like hey that, was that not a foul and everybody you know, running down the court you know he's like hey you need to call it if it's a foul that's great <laughs> you know it was interesting sort of situation for me as an outsider um, you know who doesn't work for Clemson doesn't work for Dabo and on top of that my job is to occasionally scrutinize <laughs> the, yes, yeah. the, the football team and decisions and things like that. And you know, yeah. back in, in, in 2010, 11, 12, before they really took off as a football dynasty, you know, there were some times where I had to be critical. And so it, it you know, when you show yeah. up, um, you know, when you show up at, at, at noon, you know, an hour <laughs> before you publish a story or the day after you publish a story saying, why did this, why did they do this? You know, and, uh, it kind of, maybe there were some times where he wasn't too happy with me and I could tell, you know, when I'm like, go, yeah. to, give, go up to give him a five and he puts his hand down, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but we got through, we got through some of that, but it was uh, really cool that we were, you know, that there was the, um, I guess the willingness to include, you know, a few outsiders such, such as me, but, um, I'm wondering, so, is the NTBA no more? I guess it, it really got sort of uh, the frequency of the games initially got got sort of um, jostled by uh, all the new construction and such. And then the, when they built the new uh, the Swan practice uh, pavilion facilities, uh, it became harder for us to get in there. And the, and now I guess they're building a a self contained indoor basketball court. They're just enclosing it over yeah. over at the Reeves Center right now. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So that that's what they're doing. And they started the the football team started. It, it really, as you just mentioned, it, it became a facilities challenge um, with the annex, the Huckabee Annex, which is part of the old Little John. What was the perfect facility and for for the NTBA? <laughs> it wasn't for the basketball program, but it was for the NTBA. So, so when when that uh, when they when we redid Little John and we created the practice facility, of course, we had to move. And at the time, what was great is there were a lot of administrators, and it was a lot of the same group that we just mentioned, and so it was a little bit easier for us to stay together and then just figure out, okay, we need to find another practice court, which was Jervy at the time. And so we went over there and, uh, and then so over time, uh, coaching staffs change, GAs change. And so it just, and then COVID hit and then it just became more increasingly difficult to, to get everybody together. And then probably the thing that ended it for me <laughs> was as we resurfaced, uh, I got a group together. I, I started to kind of resurface the email list in my very first day out there. Um, I flip over somebody, land on my shoulder Oof. and tear three ligaments uh. in my shoulder. And at that point I just said to myself, well, actually my wife, Christy said to me, your playing days are over. You're not going to be playing basketball anymore. And so that, that was it for me. And then the football team started to uh, create their own uh, group in that outdoor court. And then uh, to your point, they're doing this enclosed court. So, um, so anyway, so 
everybody kind of went their separate ways. And I think, I think you, there was a group in town that's playing on Wednesdays at one of the churches in town. And I think I heard Dabo's playing in Greenville a night or two a week. Uh, so anyway, everybody's uh, kind of moved on and, and uh, maybe we need to have a reunion. That'd be awesome. If we could have a little reunion. So. And Dabo's got his own court at his house. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He doesn't have to go far at all. <laughs> All right. The maybe reason that's where we, maybe that's where we should have the reunion and record in this house. <laughs> All right. The reason for for this interview is is the the Tiger Impact Initiative, uh, and and that what interested me, sort of from the outside looking in, relating to you, is you no longer work for Clemson. You had to leave. Clemson, because with the way things are structured now with the NIL rules and all that, and of course this is all subject to, uh, to change, I mean the velocity of, of, of how this evolving is, is, is so fast and rapid, so yeah. who knows what it'll be like next week or, you know, yeah. but I, what was it like, so you had been at Clemson since 05 um, and you were a major figure in, in the fundraising, major gifts, all that, can we, can we dig into uh, first of all, just when you first sort of started thinking about um, leaving and, and sort of joining the, the Tiger Impact venture? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned the starting back, uh, dating back to, to 2005. And th- this was when Terry Don Phillips was, was the athletic director. And at the time, we, we didn't have a major gifts program. And so... Uh, I was hired by Ipte to, uh, and, and Terry Don and, and Bill DeAndre hired me to create a major gifts program. And so the very first year is me and Jeff Davis. Uh, we went out. Uh, we were trying to get the West Zone initiative off the ground. And but we raised $127,000 in year one in the major gifts program. And then now Ipte's clipping off about – 20 to 25 million dollars a year in in, uh, in major gifts and and so the, the whole culture changed over time that that was a time with facilities we were behind and we needed to get not only called up but uh, when Dan Radakovich was hired uh, we, we were called up but then he took it to the next level in terms of building building out what, what we have now and uh, so it's it's been a great 17-year run. Uh, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, this NTBA stuff we've talked about, uh, that, that was a big part of just my Clemson experience, and that's something I'll cherish forever. Uh, but the interaction day-to-day with, with folks like you, all the donors, uh, all the Clemson alumni and friends and family, it's just such a special place. And it, this NIL stuff, started coming down the pipe and uh, last July uh, when it became enacted uh, by, by the NCAA, it created another uh, student athlete opportunity and it was on the heels of all this transfer portal stuff that had uh, started to not only incubate, but was really moving forward at full speed. And just all of us in athletics kind of left a scratch in our heads. And then once you dug into it and started to understand or best we could understand the rules of engagement, what we realized is that 
as an IFTA organization, we could not receive funding for NIL. And so we started to see a lot of these uh, collectives uh, develop organically uh, out in the booster community, if you will, alumni community. And then we were like, well, we can't initiate anything. So let's just hope that we have a group out there that will help us develop something that really fits into the Clemson culture. And so uh, Rich Davies, who's a former uh, kick walk-on kicker at Clemson, uh, Kendall Alley, uh, Kevin Jemis, Kevin Jemis, former uh, linebacker, Kendall Alley was a receiver. Uh, they all played around the same time. They began to develop this Tiger Impact concept back last fall. And then in December, began to have some discussions internally uh, with Clemson to share with them that, hey, this is what they were thinking about doing. And because there are so many legalities and, and other things that are that are in place, uh, there wasn't any direction that Clemson could give them. But we had to basically just trust them that they were going to develop something that was unique and very Clemson-centric. And, and so probably around February or March, it became clear in terms of what that was and what that looked like. And then at that point is when they made some overtures to me to say, hey, listen, you know, do you have anyone, Bobby, that, that you would recommend? You, you certainly would, would be the type of person we would love to come run this because you've been a part of IPTA and been part of the Clemson family for 17 years. And, and, uh, and there, this, these are their words, not mine. It's, you know, who better to, to be in a position as the executive director than someone that understands the needs of the athletic department like you do and how NIL is just another piece of that. And so to be able to balance that and not take away from what, if Tay is doing and what the needs in the athletic department are. So I really probably over about a two or three week, uh, week period of time began to think about it. And I thought, wow, you know, this is going to give me an opportunity to continue to stay connected with our student athletes, to, to do something for Clemson university, the athletic program, and not really have to leave, but just, go to a different office, if you will, and be located differently. And so that was when I made, you know, started talking with Christy, my wife, my boys, uh, three of which have graduated from Clemson. I, my uh, youngest son's a junior there now. And uh, we made the decision probably about a week before it was announced that I would uh, move into this position. And uh, it was one of those things that was quick, once I let uh, Clemson Athletics and, and Ipte know, my, my immediate boss, Davis Babb, it was one of those things because of all the, the legal issues, not e but just the firewalls, if you will, I had to leave immediately. And uh, so it was my resignation. And then the next day, uh, the spring game, April 9th, they announced me as the executive director of Tiger Impact.
Was it a surprise that you had to leave right away? It was uh, to to some people, and um, in others, it was. Uh, I remember, you know, a couple of coaches uh, were like, um, I'd run into them a week or two afterwards, uh, just going around as I was separating, transition away, and and it was one of those things that it was like, wow. It, it was that was quick, and I think part of it was because I had been around so long that it's you, you typically see someone you know I'm 55 years old, and typically you see someone like myself in their 17 years. I'll probably stay another eight or 10 years, and then I'll just retire, and we can all have a party and celebrate, and 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 that's that. Um, but I, I was ready for. Uh, a, a new challenge and ready for to take on something that was uncertain, uh, something that was uh, polarizing in, in some in some form or fashion, and that's what NIL is. And so, to, to make that decision, uh, I think one, it's it was the timing, it was. Um, um, how quick it had to be, and, and a lot of that had to do with because there had to be separation completely from athletics and, and ITE. And then I think part of it was just people saw Bobby Couch as a guy that was going to be at Clemson or be at ITE forever. And um, and so I'm still heavily involved in, in helping the student athletes and working with some of the same donors um, I'll be working with uh, when the, when the laws change and we anticipate the law changing July one, there'll be more of a, um, a partnership that we're going to be able to form with the athletic program. And if they uh, right now it's, it's more arms length, but I think that you'll see that changing moving forward and it will, it will appear to be a much more integrated um, concerted effort. And this is what I could see coming down the pipe, but it was one of those things early on. It was just, it's leaving people with uncertainty, like what's Bobby doing? Why is he leaving? And, and he's going over to NIL and that's going to be a, com- a competing entity with it. And so there was a lot of this back and forth uh, about who we are, what we are and how, how we are, how we're going to, um, do business moving forward. So, and you already mentioned sort of the temporary nature of it uh, relative to the state law <clears throat> mm-hmm. expected to to change soon. Uh, looking more broadly, I guess farther down the road, it feels. And tell me if I'm crazy. It feels like to me that this is temporary in a sense of you could very well be back officially working for Clemson at some yeah. point, like this might not yeah. last very long. Is that, I mean, is that the way you look at it too? Like it, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think, <clears throat> I think it's, I think the the tipping point of this whole NIL thing will be to, are, are we, are we to the point is the NCAA to the point of, I wouldn't say dissolving, um, but, but but becoming less of a govern, governmental type organization, a governance type organization. 
And are we moving away from amateurism and are we moving more into a professional type environment? I think a lot of people would say anecdotally that, that we're headed there. And, and in some cases we may already be there. Uh, I think, I think NIL is the crossroads. I think the transfer portal was a step towards free agency, basically. I think Hunter Renfro said it when it came out. I mean, Hunter Renfro said this is nothing more than free agency. Um, and so I think that's what you have there. I think with NIL, it's people say it's pay for play. The NCAA is saying, no, it's not pay for play. But if you look at what's happening on the front end in the recruiting space with agents with boosters that are creating these collectives, if you will, that appears and feels a lot like pay for play. Um, what we're doing internally is only working with student athletes once they're enrolled in school and they're in good standing with their athletic program. Uh, then they have an opportunity uh, to enter this space. So, I think we're it's going to be a it's going to be a critical juncture uh, as we move forward and if the decision is that the athletic programs and the booster organizations like an IPTA or the uh, you know filling the Rams club or the Wolfpack club or whatever if they can begin to receive those dollars and give those dollars directly to the student athletes, then I think we have a whole different environment in college athletics. And to your point, if it gets to that point, yeah, I may I may be employed at Clemson again. <laughs> but uh, or, or they may say you should have never left. And uh, good luck, Bobby. We'll see you later. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but. But it's that that could be a critical juncture. I think what you're going to see, and, and you see this in other states already, with the law changing in our state, what that's in essence going to mean is currently the athletic program can simply educate the student athletes about NIL. Now, what that means is, is we can have a branding institute, which I, when I was at Clemson just a few months ago, you know, last June um, or last March, Coach Sweeney, uh, you know, Dabo actually called me and said, hey, listen, come meet with Thad. We need, we need to raise about $11 million for a branding institute, 100 yards of wellness, and, and some other things, and Poe and Reeves. So we went on about a three- or four-month full-court press and raised uh, the, the through our generosity of, of our donors, uh, raised about twelve to thirteen million dollars for the branding institute, which is now part of what's called Rain. And you have Altius, who is a consultant internally. So, so the athletic program is positioned to really provide the resources and the education to our student athletes about name, image, and likeness and how, how they can leverage it and how they can really be, um, how they can benefit in the marketplace. What we are is a marketplace. We're not the marketplace. We're a marketplace because there could be two or three others 
that come into this space as well. And I think that would be actually great for the student athletes. So if they're ours is tied tied to charity. Uh, there, there's one I'm hearing that's incubating right now that could be uh, strictly a, a corporate type uh, collective. I think that would be a good thing for our student athletes. So it would give them opportunities to package um, the, these NIL opportunities and, and have a chance while they're in school to earn even more money on their on their name, image, and likeness. So. There's a lot of lot of things going on, and it's complicated. But the way I like to describe things to people that are are looking at this is, we are an outside marketplace, and the athletic program is able to prepare our student athletes for that marketplace, but they are unable to run that marketplace. That That is where the separation is. And even with the change in the law, the only difference in what we're doing now will be the fact that the athletic department and the major gift officers at IPTE, um, many of which I've helped hire, they will be able to facilitate in the new law, they'll actually be able to facilitate a conversation with a donor or with a student athlete to point them into the Tiger Impact direction. Right now, that all has to happen by the student athlete themselves. So they can't. there's no facilitation that can happen. They just have to come into this marketplace on their own. So I keep seeing or reading people say, <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy now, but it'll – It'll settle down. We just we'll have to have some guardrails that'll be imposed, and uh, and it'll be you know we'll, we'll we'll get back to what we're used to. And Bobby, I just I, I can't see how what 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 materializes whatever materializes is going to resemble what we're used to, mainly because whatever guardrails are imposed under the current sort of structure you invite litigation, you're going to get your, whoever is going to get sued for collusion or whatever those guardrails are mm-hmm. is going to be taken to court. And the, and the Supreme court has kind of spoken <laughs> loud and clear. Yeah. So yeah. the the only, what I see is inevitable and I'm not saying I agree with it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I, a, a big part of me sort of mourns the, the loss of the old system because I think there was so much good in it. Um, but it feels what's inevitable to me is collect, uh, collective bargaining and, and, and then pay for play. Um, and yeah. like you said, prof- and, you, and you mentioned that earlier, I guess, I guess you see the same thing coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think, I, I, I do think that the, the leg that the, these, um, the, like the, the, the attorney down in, in Miami, the, the Ruiz guy, that's uh, uh, struck these deals with uh, women's basketball players, you know, uh, the, um, uh, the the men's basketball players down there. Um, you know, he, he is operating uh, by the law as it, as it stands today. And so uh, whether I agree with it, any of us agree with that, 
that was where the NCA missed putting the guardrails on this NIL stuff. So in hindsight, it should have been stipulated that all the NIL deals, if you will, contracts uh, could only exist once the student athlete was enrolled in the school that they chose to attend. Um, the problem is, is that that was not, that is not how the law was written. So now you've opened up this door, this Pandora's box, and I'm with you. I don't think you can, can, can fix this without years of, of lawsuits and counter lawsuits. What you've opened up is a door of agency at the high school level. So you've got student athletes that are 16, 15, 16, 17 years old. They're signing with agents, and these agents are working these NIL deals before they ever uh, decide which school they're going to go to. And then there's there's this you know appearance of collusion between these agents and the universities that they're acting on on, 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 you know, on behalf of, and that, that's what, now, now there's some personal issues I know, uh, with, with, uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, but that would, that was, that was what, that, that's where the argument stems from. And it's, it, that part of it is, is that there's a perception, whether it's real or not, that you're buying players because, these these agents or boosters are signing these kids before before they make a commitment and it, it encourages that commitment and so that's the space that's really disrupting what the NIL was intended to do so it, that was not in the spirit of what NIL was about uh, and so to the NCAA's defense, and I think even Saban said this, is that the NCAA wanted to provide opportunities for student athletes. Uh, they ignored the Ed O'Bannon case for years. You know, I think that, that lawsuit started 2014. And had they addressed it early, we may not have this issue now, but they put it off, put it off, put it off, and they finally – they came out and said, we're going to do it. And then all of a sudden it created this wild, wild west. So, um, and, and I'm with you. I think at some point it's, I, I think the real test is going to be what happens. So these actions are going to create a reaction. So if Tennessee, if, if they've got a young man that's coming in, he's got an $8 million deal Okay, so a year from now, where are we with that young man? Is this a young man that comes in, he starts right away, or is he a, is he going to come in and he's going to be a backup and then he's going to transfer, and what's that going to mean to his deal? Um, so I think there's going to there's going to be some of these results that are going to uh, correct or create a create a natural correction of what we're doing. I mean, if you look at professional sports, 
Um, and this all started with Moneyball, you know, back in the day, I think the A's. But if you look at if you look at the most the the richest franchises, they're not always the one winning championships. And so so I think NIL, the thought is, is that the more money we put into NIL and we're going to be the one that's winning the most games or we're going to win championships. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I, if I could look into a crystal ball, I would say NIL five years from now, NIL will be just like facilities was 15, 20 years ago. That if you didn't have a facility, if you didn't have an indoor facility or you didn't have um, a football operations facility, that was a recruiting advantage. Okay. But once you got one, it, it was you, you're on a level playing field again. So I think I think NIL eventually will will work its way out. I think it'll just be something that's expected. I'm going to this school. They've got an NIL deal. I can get an NIL deal here, and then I think that's that's where it'll all kind of wash out in the end. But I could be wrong. I could be on the street unemployed. But that's where I that's where I think we'll we'll land at some point. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803 774 0435 or go to Uptown Realty SC. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Another Loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthal. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-350. Zero seven. I keep seeing people say, <clears throat> you know, that market forces are are gonna create a, sort of a leveling off. Mm-hmm. That that that, um, you know, if you if, if somebody in, if a school or whoever boosters invest eight million dollars in a quarterback and he flops, then they're gonna be less reluctant to. Uh, invest in the next one, and so there will be a, a, a economic correction. I, my, I'm skeptical of that, Bobby. Like because I don't think that's necessarily. I don't think market forces really apply to something that that um, that is rooted so much in emotion and hope. Because mm-hmm. you know, it, market forces don't apply to buyouts of, of of college coaches. Those haven't gone down. I mean, they've gone up. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, 
you know, like Auburn, for example, you know, they're, I don't know how much buyout money they're paying to how many coaches, but it's not like they're saying, all right, guys, the, the, the last few haven't worked. So we need to spend a lot less money on this buyout. Um, they're paying more. Um, and so yeah. I, uh, to me, at least the booster or the, the fan mentality is, is not, Oh, well this guy, this five-star didn't work out. So we're going to spend less. It's, it's more, well, that one didn't work out, but this next one's going to be the best ever, <laughs> you know? So we really yeah, need yeah. to spend money on this one. And yeah. I guess the same thing applies to facilities too, in that yeah. you're always trying to go better, but it's about competition and hope and, and that ultimate sort of goal of, of, of dominating, of winning, winning big. Does that make oh, yeah, sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. It does. And, and what I would say is you make a great point, I, I, but what I would say is, buyout contracts and facilities, let's use those two examples. Those are rooted in, um, those, those are rooted in a much more grand, uh, dynamic. And what I mean by that is, is, is buyouts are, they're, they're in the athletic department. Okay. So it's rooted, uh, inside the, the athletic program with inside the university and those dollars that flow into uh, that athletic program that allows that contract to exist is being paid for by tens of thousands of donors, mm-hmm. okay? What I feel like we're dealing with in the NIL marketplace is, let's use DJ Uangalale. Now, DJ, what a great young man. We we, we know what, what season we went through. What it wasn't DJ. It was the whole Clemson football program, and it's you know shame on us to be upset at winning ten games. Uh, but but the point being is that DJ came in. He got a deal with Dr Pepper. Okay, a great deal. That his season, our season, didn't go the way that we wanted it to. So guess what? Dr Pepper does not resign with his agency group for, for another year, because that's one athlete and that's one company. You see what I'm saying? Yep, so yep. Great if, point. if you, if you look at the NCAA, there are 480,000 student athletes that are NCAA student athletes. And what we're seeing these deals, if you look at these deals that we see out in the marketplace, it is it is well well less than one percent of the entire student athlete population. Now we are serving our collective is serving can serve five hundred and twenty four student athletes. The collective that Nick Saban was talking about that exists at Alabama, it can serve up to six hundred student athletes uh, at Alabama, and so these fifty or so collectives that are out there. Are the ones that are in house are serving a much larger percentage than these deals that are being done, like the quarterback at Tennessee. So, I think what Nick Saban was saying is that put the Tennessee situation in Alabama. Okay, so this donor, okay, this one donor or a group of donors is investing in this quarterback. To your point. They come into the stadium, and I think he was saying they're going to strut in there and say, hey, my guy's going to come in here. And they come in there, and they look, and he's the guy sitting on the bench. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so and so then that, that the kid's on the bench, and then he decides, I'm transferred next year. So who is that on? It's not on Alabama. 
It's not on the program. It's on that donor or that small group of donors that invested that money in that student athlete. So the question is, are they going to do that again? And the answer is probably no. And so I think that's where you'll see where, where I see kind of a leveling out at some point. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, Larry, when this all this NIL stuff broke, I was sitting in a NIPTE meeting. And so uh, we had a little break in the meeting, and, and I was sitting by Dan Radakovich, our former AD. And, you know, Dan turned to me because he could see I was taking notes and all this when he was up talking about it. And, and uh, he just said, you know, he just kind of looked at me and he and he said, let me ask you a question, Bobby. He said, who would you say is the most marketable person in our athletic department? And I said, I said, e, that's easy. That's Dabo Sweeney. And he's like, how many business deals, like how many corporate deals does Dabo Sweeney have? And I said, you know, the time I could Toyota these, I mean, I, I rattled off a couple, like, you know, uh, you know, two or three, you know, and uh, and he, he said that when this thing hits, it's going to spark. You know, it's going to be, it's really going to like just be out there, and there's going to be all these deals and everything. And then at some point, it will. People need a return on their investment at the end of the day. And if they're not, if the companies aren't getting the ROI on it, or the donors aren't feeling like they're getting the ROI out on it. Uh, ROI, then at some point it will, um, in all in all likelihood, level out. But again, it's all speculative. Uh, we don't know. Rules can change. Legislation can be enacted. The federal government could get involved. Um, so it, it's just hard to say exactly where this thing's going to land. That's a great perspective. Uh, do you have a feel, like a ballpark sort of, if you were to, to create a pie chart for the donors, that you're in contact with, and that is many, of course, who are either A, I ain't interested in this crap. This is this is garbage. <laughs> I heard I, I heard that last week. I'm not I'm not I I'm done with college football. Or B, um, you know what? I wish we were back the way things used to be, but we gotta compete and I'll do what is necessary. Or C hey man, they these these kids deserve to get paid. I let you know I'm I'm all in. Did you have a feel for that? Because anecdotally, um, it feels like there's a the majority of folks, not just at Clemson, but but elsewhere as well. You know, big big time college football uh, supporters are just kind of turned off by it. Yes, yes, I, I would say that. Um, I, I'll tell you the I'll tell you four people that um, when when we first huddled and, and talked uh that were turned off by it. it was is me rich kendall and kevin <laughs> uh you know just uh we talked about nil and, and the four of us played college sports and and uh we're looking at each other going you know i just it's just nil just doesn't feel right it, it, it's you know kind of uh feel like hey it's not a good thing um but at the end of the day if you, you it's not going away and so we got to figure out uh, where we want to be and, and what we want to do uh, for Clemson. And 
And so, and, and I wasn't being facetious when I say I had a couple of conversations last week and, and you know, I called a couple of folks that I know well, I called one and then I had, a, I had this other person call me and uh, the person that called me, you know, was, was almost like reading me the riot act for the first five minutes and, and getting on to me for leaving it. Tay, and I can't believe because NIL is a bunch of crap and uh, we don't need to be doing this and this and that and the other. And then, um, after, uh, you know, that five minutes, it took me probably another 10 minutes just to talk about NIL and where we are and why we're here. And then eventually getting into talking about what we're doing. And then, then people start to kind of neutralize. Uh, there, there are some people that have immediately gotten on board and just say, Hey, listen, NIL's here to stay. Uh, we, we need to compete. We need to do something in that space. And so, hey, here, here you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write you a check. I'm, I'm going to support you. So, you have that, um, you have that, that group early on that they're early investors because they want Clemson to succeed and they want Clemson to be out front and. Once they process it quickly and understand, hey, NIL is here to stay, so we got to get in the game. Oh, it's tied to charities. That's perfect. That fits in the Clemson culture. Here's a check. So you have that group that is immediately on board. Then you've got a larger group that I would say is skeptical. So they're kind of like, they wake up in the morning, they, they see Jimbo and Nick going at it, they see this $8 million deal at Tennessee, and it's, it's clouding the picture that then they have to understand and be educated on what it is and, and how we need to get into the game, if you will, and then that's going to be a longer educational process. And then you're going to have this group that just completely is turned off by it. And you, you can't explain anything to them. They're going to be like, Bobby, good luck. I understand we got to do it, but I'm not, I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, so, um, so I think, I think you've got those three, what I would say constituent groups that make up this donor base, if you will. I'm really fascinated about the idea of of hunger in a fan base um, in that A&M, it, I mean, I would assume that a big reason they're just like, heck yeah, where do I sign? And, and I guess, obviously, this is a generalization. I'm not, I don't have boots on the ground there. And it's based on a lot of just assumptions um, from things that we've heard. Um, but they haven't won anything in forever. Yeah. And so do you think there's something to the Clemson fan base? Not that they don't want to win, not that they're not hungry, not that they don't want to stay in the elite class of college football, but I wonder if this came around in, say, 2013 or 14, back when it was like just the thought of one playoff appearance was enough to send – the average Clemson fan into euphoria. If this came around, if, if we, you would have maybe a somewhat different, not that your response is bad, but if your percentage of people who are turned off by it now is, I don't know, 30, 40%, would it be a lot less in part because of just the, the idea of winning big 
is it would have been such a new thing back then. Does that make any sense? It, it does. It does. You're right. I think the timing has a lot to do with it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the fan base, uh, all fan bases are, are emotional. And uh, they jump in and they want to help. And it, it all is based on how they are feeling at the time. And, and I do think the reaction would be somewhat different if, if this were 2014 uh, versus uh, where, where we are right now. I mean, we, we've won in recent years. Uh, we've won two national championships uh, in football. And so at, at this point, the fan base understood or understands what it took to get there. And uh, that at the time was based on recruiting. It's based on coaching staff. It's based on facilities. Uh, it's based on the, the, the culture that you have, the university environment, you know, all those things. And, and so now the question is, well, where does NIL fit into this? Okay. Or where does the transfer portal fit into this? So, we the two championships are in the rearview mirror. So looking forward, where does where does this fit in? And so some of the immediate things that are being drawn off of right now is they're tying the NIL to recruiting. So it's it's like okay, well, uh, you know, the last couple of classes, uh, our football. I'm just using football as an example. So the last couple of recruiting classes haven't been as good as they've been in years past. So is NIL going to help? You know, I mean, that, that's kind of a question that's running through the minds right now. Um, and on the other hand, I feel like you have a group that feels like that there have been sound decisions made over the last few years and that there's a lot of confidence that whatever we put forward is what we need to do and what we need to be a part of. And there's a trust factor that we're going to do it the right way. In fact, I had a conversation with a, a gentleman who's like a fourth generation Clemson family member last week. And, and my conversation with him was, was right along these lines. He, he's not a big NIL guy, but he knows we got to do it. And what he told me after I talked to him about 30 minutes was, I trust that we are going to do it the right way. And so I, I think, I think that also plays into this, but I do think the timing creates concern and at times creates additional questions in terms of why are we doing this now and i think the question may have been a little bit different in 2014 so i right around the spring game when y'all had y'all's um y'all's press conference uh to announce tiger impact I could not be there, unfortunately, because I was in Columbia at a track meet for from one of my daughters. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> right. no, you were in the right you were in the right place. Uh, at that time, in speaking with some high profile folks over at Clemson, it was, you know what, we're in a good spot because we just raised a lot of money within a short amount of time, and whatever misgivings we might have had have they've been sort of soothed 
we feel like we can compete with anybody out there. And okay, maybe not the oil money of Texas and Texas A&M, but everybody else, we can go toe to toe with, we'll be fine. Well, talked to the same person maybe two weeks ago and it was, wow, man, this thing is moving so fast that not that it was like a defeatist mindset or anything, but it was more like, now we got these agents calling saying, how much can you give me? And we're just not going to play that game when, when others are. What Do you know what the response are, – are the coaches – and I'm not just talking football. I'm talking basketball too and maybe some others. But are the coaches just – is it basically – is the response – well, we we can tell you what will be available to you when if and when you sign here, but we're not going to get into any – we're not going to send you a – we're, gonna, we're not going to wire you $50,000 if you commit to us. Is that – what has been yeah. what's your response to that as far as as the response uh to, to that to those types of 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 communications not with the player or the, even the player's parents but an agent which you which you sort of alluded to earlier yeah it, it's it, it's uh it, it's a little bit of a dilemma uh in that there is a again there there's this culture that's been created by this uh, smaller group of agents, if you will, slash boosters that are creating this um, uh, this this marketplace on the recruiting side. And so I think where, where you see it if, when, when you have uh, programs that are um, are having to be competitive, much more competitive in that in the recruiting space um, to keep up and, and to, to get to the next level, which all coaches are, uh, but you, you may not necessarily have that, that, uh, that, that basis or that, that culture already created. Um, th- there's that desire to figure out how are we going to leverage NIL to help us uh, in this recruiting space. Now um, that, that is not what we are uh, about that is not what we are have positioned ourselves uh, to, to be about. Now, could could a football player or could a basketball player, uh, men's basketball player, a women's basketball player, uh, could they come into Clemson and could they be able to earn uh, based on their name, image, and likeness? Could they could they earn? Fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. Yes, they could, but but it's all based on uh, it's all based on an algorithm, and, and we have to look at um, you know are they a five star player? Do they have what is their Instagram following? Are they a leader on their team? Are they a starter? Um, uh, do, do they hold leadership positions with, you know, within the school? Like, do they serve on different councils or are there, you know, they're, you know, in the accounting club or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of these factors that can help, you know, build that number, uh, build that number up. But uh, having said that, that's something that can grow, that, that can be one thing as they enter Clemson and it could be something twice that or much bigger than that, you know, two or three years down the road, but it is not going to be, we're going to guarantee this uh, when you get here. Um, And and that's, 
that's not what this collective is about, uh, but you're seeing it happen uh, at other schools. And, and, and it therein lies the, uh, the dilemma for, uh, one, education. We just got to make sure that we're communicating with our coaches not only our coaches, we, we got to uh, we're, we're continually educating our donors because uh, some of our early investors, um, you know, we're we're having to circle back with them so they completely understand what we're about and what we can do and what we can't do. And we're we're talking with our attorneys and we're talking with the university attorneys all the time about. Can, can Bobby talk to a coach? No. Can, can he talk directly with the student athletes? Yes. Can he talk with an agent? No. I mean, so they're, they're now that that's what the rules are now, but then July one, they, the, the, those, the answers to those questions, uh, you know, may be different. So it, it is, it, it is going to be a dilemma, but, but what we're trying to do and what we're trying to position ourselves to do is is our job, our mission is to impact the lives of our student athletes. So what we want to do through through charitable work. And so and we want to impact those charities. So we are it's very simplistic. Our our mission is to not to go out and raise 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year so we can pay these high dollar uh, NIL deals. No, we want to give a rower and a starting quarterback an equal opportunity to earn money through NIL that can impact their lives, but more importantly, impact the lives of the charities that they're serving. Um, and so that is, that is, some people may say, well, that's kind of a narrow way of looking at it or a narrow way of thinking. But to us, this is what we as a collective uh, want to do, and this is the marketplace we want to be in. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to get out into the wild, wild west and start trying to figure out a way to help strike these deals on the front end. So, the, the current sort of arrangement, I think Dabo um, can easily reconcile with what he has said in the past about. Uh, you know, these added benefits for players. Uh, but as we're talking about the future, and, and you and I both, I guess, agree that, that you know, we're, we're the momentum or the, or the we're headed on a path toward, toward pay for play eventually. Dabo years ago you know, came out pretty strongly in saying, if we get to that, I'm just going to go do something else. Yeah. Um, do you think it's fair for me or anybody else to sit here and say, man, as, as this thing moves forward, um, as we're sort of envisioning what things could look like and, and, and as it appears that, that we are headed toward that, is it, is it fair to sit there and say, man, I wonder how much longer he's going to have the stomach um, for, for, for this? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a great question, and what, what I could tell you is I, I echo his sentiments in that if we th – this this is the only space of NIL that I would even think about ever being a part of because of the, the complete tie to charity. That's I'm, I'm involved in this as much as for those charities as I am for the student athletes uh, because – I and I think the combination of the two – uh, is incredible, but 
if we get to the point that you just described and, and, and that Dabo has talked about where as an athletic department, we're able to, you know, take all this money in and just pay it directly to the players and we get into that true pay for play environment. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of not only coaches, but I think you're going to see a, a lot of uh, folks like myself leave college sports. Um, because here's the thing about it. Uh, we could go, I could go uh, 90 miles south or north to the Panthers and work for them, or I can go to Atlanta and work for the Falcons. But I chose to be in an amateur college athletic space uh, for that reason, because it is amateurism. And I think we, we do continue to push that envelope. And at some point, the question becomes, does the NCAA just completely become non-existent and then the colleges form their own kind of professional, or if you will, minor league system? And if it gets to that point, then I think everybody will have to look themselves in the mirror and say, do I want to stick around and try to help us through this? And that, that may be enough to keep some people in it. Uh, or they just say, listen, this is not what I signed up for. And, and, I, and I think you've seen, and again, it's all speculation, but I think you've seen some coaches uh, probably retire a few years earlier than, than that maybe they ever thought they yeah. would just because of what's changing in this sport. And they're just ready to, they don't need the money. And so it's like, all right, I'm 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 ready to just retire a, a little bit sooner. And and I think we've seen that in our league, you know, in the last year or so. So I get the the whole, hey, hey, you're paid eight or ten million dollars, you know, okay, your job's your job's a little harder. Okay, you have to work a little harder for the money. I get that. But uh, but I, I'm left with I feel sorry for a lot of these coaches because their jobs even before were really difficult. I mean, their, their calendar, you know, you get two weeks off a year basically, but at least in the previous arrangement, when you sign a recruiting class, it's done. You don't have to keep recruiting those guys, (laughs) but now you're recruiting your roster in addition to, in addition to the high schoolers. Yeah. And, And what is a letter of intent? What is What does it mean anymore? Right. You know, I, I mean, I, I took a class on it at Clemson when I was getting my master's in athletic leadership. And, you know, we were going through all these, uh, the legalities of signing a, a, you know, a letter of intent and it has to be faxed. Because I was like, why is it faxed? Well, because it's an official document. It's a legal document. And, and it's like, well, is there anything binding anymore? Right. Is there is. And so I think that. You know, that, that's one of the things that uh, the NCAA uh, could or should address. Uh, I, I like, I heard somebody on the radio the other day, I thought it was a great idea. It's never going to happen. But what would be great is when you sign that letter of intent to come to a school, it, it, you should be, you should have to be there for three years. Okay. Now, if you, if there's some hardship, or if there's some special circumstance where you need to transfer, let's fully define what those are, okay? But other than that, you you have to be there for three years. And after three years, 
you know, you can, if you want to transfer, if you want to go somewhere else, uh, you know, that's fine. But, you know, that, that, that has really, and, and then people always, you know, this is the, this is the argument I've never understood is, um, you know, people talk about, you know, the coaches and all the money that Dabo Sweeney's making. Well, you know what, you know what it, it, he had to put, you know what he had to do to get to this point in his career it, it wasn't be a good football player at 17 years old and be able to make millions of dollars. This, you know, this guy's in his fifties and he's put a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears to get to this point in his career. It's about you reap what you sow. And, and we're, we're too quick to say, we're going to let you sow when you haven't reaped anything. And and so I think that's I think that is just a, a cultural challenge that's out there right now, and uh, you know you I mean you've got you've got kids Larry just like I do I mean you've got you've got children and this instant gratification society has has really infiltrated uh, into college sports but but here's but it's more. It's more the adults, in my opinion, because if if you look at our student athletes, if you look at the 524 student athletes, and I'll go back to that percentage of, you know, 480,000 student athletes in the NCAA. So if you look at how many, let's say you had 3,000 in the portal, look at that percentage compared to 480,000 mm. student athletes. Look at all these deals. So if you look at just our student athletes, you're talking about maybe five or six in any given year might consider transferring. But the large 99% of our student athletes are completely excited and happy mm. to be here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the other thing is, is we got to sometimes look at this with some perspective and understand that uh, you know, they, uh, I said this the other day. It's it's not the kids; it's the, the it's the adults that are screwing this thing up. <laughs> yeah, so. and part of the problem is the adults and sort of the conversation about it. I guess the scrutiny uh, the scrutiny of the amateur system has has consisted of this of this argument of of what they had before was the value of zero and i'm like i, I yeah. just i'm sorry yeah. man i know a lot i know you know a lot of former yeah uh, uh clemson football players and athletes i talked to a lot of them just recently yeah. did a series talking to 30 former football players and and not one of them not one person has said man my my education was a joke like uh, the, the majority exactly. of them savor that and, and are thankful yes. for it that they were that, that they got that to great degree and, and the things that come from it and the value of uh, there is a monetary value not just yeah. on what you don't pay for in terms of the education that 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 money right then but what it is 20 years later right so yeah i just I, I, that's what i really it, mourn is, is is we're gonna have a lot fewer graduates um and that's gonna that's gonna have some pretty bad effects i think on negative effects on, on a lot of these kids lives later on I agree. I certainly agree. Um, Bobby, you've been very generous with your time. Um, this has been awesome. Um, yeah. is, is there any part of your message or, or, or the, the, the initiative that we haven't covered? I know a, a lot of this conversation has been steered by my curiosities. So I no, just want to give no, you the opportunity is, yeah. if we haven't covered anything to, to, to give you the floor. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let, let me just um, let, let me try to encapsulate what what Tiger Impact is about, uh, just just for your audience. Sure. Um, we uh, la- last week uh, had an opportunity. I uh, was invited up to uh, the Levine Children's Hospital in Charlotte, North Carolina. So a wonderful uh, 12-floor uh, hospital um, that uh, sits uh, right off of downtown, uh, doing some wonderful things for so many children in, in the region. And, um, and so Will Shipley, uh, you know, our, one of our, our star uh, football players, uh, he, he recently uh, just uh, he he's one of our NIL captains, so uh, he has a, has an NIL deal, and he ha- he has some other uh, smaller NIL deals as well. I mean, he's doing some T-shirt stuff and and, and some other things, and uh, just but what what a what a great young man. So, but when when he entered into and he registered with us, uh, he chose Levine Children's Hospital as his charity. And so uh, basically uh, how the contract reads is uh, Will has to uh, uh, he'll, he'll on social media, he'll do a, do an announcement of the charity he's chosen and uh, and also um, uh, that he's part of Tiger Impact. Then he has to do two media posts. He has to do a couple of uh, appearances um, over over the course of a year. So a couple of uh, social media posts uh, uh, each month and then a couple of appearances. So. His first appearance was last week, uh, and so on Tuesday, so I drove up, Will gave $10,000 to the Levine Children's Hospital. His first NIL check, Mm. he turned around and gave it right back to the charity that he represents. And I followed his wife, his uh, his mother, uh, Tammy, was there. His father was out of town on business. Uh, but Kendall Alley was there, who, who's one of our board members. And Kendall, who's close friends with the Shipley family, he spoke. Um, so it was about a 10-minute um, you know, ceremony in, in the lobby. And then uh, Dr. Herman, who is the chief medical director, who actually came down for our announcement April 9th to stand by Will, Dr. Herman uh, took Will and his mother, Tammy, and, and myself, um, uh, took us on a tour of the hospital. And Will stopped in probably about 10 or 12 rooms. There was one young man who was getting discharged. i uh, been in the rehab part of the hospital. had been there uh, for seven months. He was getting discharged. And the therapist, uh, occupational therapist, was standing outside with me when Will was in the room. And she told me that Will actually came there during the Christmas during Christmas time to visit the kids on his own. So he's already had already been involved with this charity, and she remembered meeting him and the impact that he had then uh, at that time. So the next thing I know, the occupational therapist and Will, this young man, they're doing a TikTok video, and this young man's posting it on his TikTok or whatever. I don't know how all that stuff works. <laughs> Um, but but the point is is to see the impact that he was having at that moment in time. And then Dr. Herman turned to me, and this is exact. These are his quote. This is his quote, not mine. He said, "Bobby, what y'all are doing with Tiger Impact is amazing." He said, "This whole NIL stuff is it, it just it seems crazy, but it seemed it, it to me, Clemson has figured it out, and y'all are doing something amazing." in the NIL space. 
And uh, and then at that time, he, he's just pointing the wheel and just saying, look at the impact he's having on these kids in, in our hospital. And so I just I wanted to just share that story with you. And that's just going to be one of many that, that we're going to be able to share um, because and what Will said after that day, he said, Bobby, I'm getting I'm getting more out of this and they're getting from me. Mm. And, and so because it pours back into them as much as they're pouring into it. And so. To me, this this that's what Tiger Impact is about, and to me, that fits the Clemson culture of, of you know caring. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you, and just uh, to just to get a little taste of of what it is that we do, and the special student athletes that we have the opportunity to work with every day. So, yeah, and I think. I think there is marketability in that in recruiting. I don't know if yeah. it's. I don't know if you're going to be able to have a number one class. I, you know, I'm just saying that there are yeah. people like Sipley. There are people. You know, Cade Klubnick. Um, yeah. His mom told me in December. She says we don't care about this NIL stuff. I mean, of course, they're well off enough. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot of people aren't. Um, but she said we we Cade wanted to go somewhere where he was going to grow as a as a as not just a player but as a man and and that holistic part. I think that's that's marketable as well. And Clemson's yeah. culture certainly, um, ex, uh, accentuates that. Do you, do you, th- uh, you, it sounds like you have a pretty good, uh, you've done a pretty good survey of all the other collectives out there. Is the charitable mm-hmm. component, uh, of Clemson's, is it unique? Are there others who do, who are doing the same thing just in, in, in what you've seen? Yeah, there's there are a handful of collectives out there that are that are strictly tied to to either the charity piece. Like Indiana uh, has, has a collective that uh, is very similar uh, to ours. Ohio State has a component uh, of theirs that that's tied to uh, charity work uh, as well. Um, there are other uh, other collectives out there that are forming right now. Iowa State. Uh, Cornell, uh, Cal Berkeley. We've we've spoken with all three of those schools. They love our model, and uh, that's really probably it's in all likelihood going to be the way that they're going to go. Uh, so I, I think you're going to start to see other schools that really like this uh, charitable approach. Um, I, I think it also has to fit. Uh, in, in the culture of, of the school as well. Um, and so, um, so anyway, so I, 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 you're going to see more of them. And, uh, you know, what I, what I love about is, is when you go and visit a lot of schools and I know you have, and I have over the years, it, some of these student athletes are just amazing people. I don't care. I mean, we, we have a lot at Clemson, but there's a lot of amazing student athletes around this country. And, and when you go into these schools and you see who they are and what they do and the, and the time that they're giving back to the community, um, you know, we have a lot to celebrate in that regard. So uh, if we can share uh, what we're doing and we can help other schools create something similar uh, to what we're doing, then, then, then I hope uh, just more power to them. I hope it uh, I hope that happens and I hope you start to see. Um, a lot of these types of collectives, uh, you know, strike up around the country. Are there any donors out there that have said to you, "What are we doing with this charity thing? This is a dog eat dog world. We gotta, we gotta be cutthroat. We gotta play the game that these others, you know, we should be, 
you know, basically just raising money to pay these players. Are, is there, are there any, have there been any who have that sentiment? You know, I, I haven't spoken any yet, but I'm sure that there are some out there that, that have that feeling. And uh, like I said, I think that there, um, you know, again, there's, you know, a year or two from now, we, you know, you and I can can chat again, and, and I may be able to rattle off three or four other collectives that are that are part of the Clemson family. It's just this is what we've chosen to 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 be a part of, and so I would just have to graciously uh, share with that individual that, um, you know, perhaps there there's an opportunity out there to to be able to fulfill what that person wants to fulfill but it's not going to be through tiger impact so bobby i'm sure you have better things to do more important people to talk to than me so no man uh, this has been awesome i've really thanks enjoyed for, it thanks for allowing me to reminisce earlier on all the NCBA <laughs> stuff so now i'm fired up we, we've got to get a we're going to have to have a reunion game maybe a reunion weekend or something but uh because it may take a couple of days to recover after that <laughs> first couple of games. I don't know if I can run up and down a court now. You and I, but, are, both, uh, you and I are both walkers now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, we're power walkers. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. This has been a, a great conversation, enlightening and entertaining as well for me. Well, Larry, thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, always great to connect and uh, enjoy Enjoy your your daughters and their. Uh, I know they're they're uh, doing doing wonderful things in the cross country world. So just wish them all the best in, in that, in, in school, and in life. So, thanks for the very kind words, man. And I will do. All right. Yep, got to brag a little bit on the two daughters. Ninth grader, state champion in the thirty two hundred meter run for Daniel High School. The seventh grader, varsity qualified for the state championships. Ran in the 1600, ran her personal best time, and finished 11th. So, an incredibly euphoric weekend uh, for this father here. Thanks to Bobby Couch for joining us. Thanks to our sponsors for their very loyal and longstanding support. And most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting that play button. Appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs>